Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Life's Legends, a podcast where we talk about the stories that have shaped and guided us through life. I am once again your host, Luke, here once again with my good friend Daniel, and we will be talking about The Lord of the Rings. This is episode three, the final episode in our Lord of the Rings series. It's been great so far. I'm sure it will be great this time as well. Um, and so this episode, we're going to talk about the plot kind of in general. Obviously, we've talked about some things already that have happened, um, as well as the moral and kind of the bigger picture, some of the bigger themes that, that we see in the story that we can maybe, you know, extrapolate out and and think about more philosophically, we'll say. Um, so let's let's jump right into it again, if you're all right with that. Yeah, I'm fine with it. All right. So... What I said plot beats in the, in the thing, and I think you even asked me a question about this. It's supposed to be story beats, um, but what moments from the show what mean the most to you? What stuck out? Like, what are some ones you want to talk about? Yeah, um, well, I will say there are. We we kind of talked about before. There are some scenes that are just like. Like, I, as a man, like, I cry. I, like, bawl my eyes out whenever these scenes happen. And, like, some mm. of them are, like, you know, when, you know, a, a main character dies. Like, spoiler alert, Boromir dies. Yeah. And we talk oh, about... Spoilers for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay, yeah. we're good. Okay. Um, so, like, we talked about that, you know, like, w- with the aspect of redemption for Boromir and aspect of redemption for Theoden as well like you know Boromir's death hits hard Theoden's mm. death hits hard um, those two scenes can easily make yes. me cry um, yeah. there, there's one scene though that even more than those two scenes I think makes me cry a lot and it's the scene where Frodo tries to go off on his own he tries to leave he said he realizes that the ring is tearing apart the fellowship um and he says you know i need to go to mordor alone but sam follows him and sam's yeah and frodo of course goes back he says to sam like go back sam i'm going to mordor alone and sam's like of course you are and i'm coming with you (laughs) it's so good it is so good and sam tries to go after frodo and like sam can't swim so he starts drowning (laughs) Yeah. So Frodo goes back and rescues him and pulls him up out of the water. And Sam just says, Sam, you know, as, he, as Sam gets into the boat with Frodo, um, Sam says to him, I made Mr. Gandalf a promise, Mr. Frodo. A promise. Don't you lose him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. I just bawl my eyes out when the two of them just embrace like just seeing Sam's loyalty and just seeing that like you know I'm not leaving you Mr. Frodo I'm going with you like in many ways I think that really strikes that you know I mean it culminates the fellowship of the ring very well because that's what the movie's about it's about fellowship and it's about you know remaining loyal Um, and that's a theme that you know it exists throughout you know throughout the trilogy um it's just such a powerful moment a powerful moment showing the bond of friendship that sam and frodo have and you know just sam's you know dogged relentless like i'm not going to let my master go to mordor 
alone. I am going to go with him and help him because that's what I'm going to do. That's what a friend does. That's what I promise to do, and I'm going to stick to my duty. Yeah. It's just such, like, it's such a powerful scene. It, it just gets me every single time. Yeah. Like, like every time. Like, Megan can tell you, like, I'll, she'll, I'll be just, I'll be sitting there just crying, and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, when I watched these movies, right, it was later, I'll say, I watched, I started watching The Fellowship at like, I think 9.30, because I was naive about how long the movies are. <laughs> and so I was just by myself. And so that was fine, because I can cry by myself all I want. <laughs> I, um, I, I think before I said there were like three times that made me tear up. That's not true. There's more than three. I, but this is definitely one of them. I, almost every time, every Frodo and Sam moment at the end of a movie is gonna make me tear up. They're so, that, that moment at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring is great for all the reasons you said. It's incredible how he's, you know, Sam's dedication to, to staying with his friend and even like this this idea of like and Sam kind of exemplifies this really well of just taking the next step it's like this journey's huge but he just keeps chugging along um, and he's just like it's simple I said I wouldn't leave you and so I'm not going to leave you there's no he doesn't think it's, there's not this complicated problem that we have to like deal with I said I wasn't going to leave and I'm not going to. That's the whole thing. And it's like great. That's incredible. And they have such a great friendship. It's so awesome. Uh, yeah. I I really like that. I And kind of in that in that same vein. His uh I his speech at the end of the second movie. I like I want to like I want to like adopt part of that speech as like this podcast like theme it's so his speech was incredible I think and I think on a kind of more person this is one of the moments that that like got me really good like I, I was a mess after this but I think in my own like life I'm having a tougher time and, and struggling a little more right and I was I was like moved by this speech of, of Sammy's like the I, I have to I have to like pull it up I had it up pulled up for this express purpose because I knew I because I I butcher it if I try to say it um it's, on the, it's, a, it's a speech we need to hear yeah he go, I, I'm not I'm not good at the voices you know I'm not good at the voices so but like you know uh he's like I know it's all wrong by rights we shouldn't even be here but we are it's like in the great stories Mr. Frodo the ones that really mattered full of darkness and danger they were 
And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't, because they were holding to something. And Sam, you know, what are they holding to, Sam? That there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. I, I'm sitting there, man, watching this movie. I'm tearing up as I'm saying it. I'm sitting there watching this movie, and I'm like, man, I needed to hear that. You know, like, and what an amazing thing to say. And like we talked about earlier, how optimism is such a huge part of Sam's character in particular, but a lot of even the movie. Um, and that there's there's good in the world. I loved, you know, I'm a big proponent of how stories are helpful, and they obviously we're doing a podcast about stories, um, and the stories that have shaped me shaped I think a lot of us he's right there you know there's there was chances to turn back but they didn't these are the stories that really mattered I yeah I was just blown away by this quote it was and it was so encouraging it was so encouraging to me and this is like why this is why I wanted to do this show this is why I like engage with stories because they can offer some of that light even when it's hard to have it for ourselves and I didn't mean to make this real or somber but here we are it was but that was I think by far out of my experience with these movies that was my my favorite moment was that because it it just touched me. It you know, it, it reached through the screen and it got me, you know? That's awesome. And again, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, these movies are so good is because they have those moments where yeah. they reach through the screen and they do touch you and they like you do feel it in your heart, you know, like you feel what's going on in that story. Yeah. That's awesome. It's incredible. It's a really good speech. I couldn't believe it when I was sitting there. And, and again, and again too. Like again, I'm going to come at it with my Christian worldview, but yep. like there's definitely biblical parallels to that. You know, the idea that you know darkness must pass, mm-hmm. um, and that you know many of the stories in Scripture are people are stories of Scripture of people that you know some didn't do so well, but people sought to be faithful and to you know to fight for that good that to believe that there's good in the world and that it's worth fighting for yeah Um, there there are many heroic figures um in scripture you know who do that um Mm. so there's definitely some biblical parallels there too yeah oh yeah yeah i (laughs) it was just incredible it was a really good it was really good obviously narratively kind of a dark time for the story but that's kind of the point mm-hmm. of the quote, isn't it? That 
even in this darkness, there's, you know, there is still good, and we're still going to keep fighting for it. Yeah, it's really good. Absolutely. But moving on to other moments, um, did you have any other moments? <laughs> um, Like I said, we did talk about like a lot of what happened. Oh, I have a question. Sure. This might this is a plot-ish related question. Okay, so I've seen the meme, right? And obviously I saw the quote. Right? I would say the end of Fellowship of the Ring, but it's more like the middle-ish end. Uh Gandalf, right? He's getting dragged down by the Balrog. And he says fly you fools right mm -hmm. this is a pretty i've seen the, these memes right i'm confused what what does he mean i assume the eagles that's my guess but am i supposed to understand that when he says it and do i just not what happened to me so that's, that's a good question actually like what you brought up is kind of like a theory that people have that, oh, like that yeah. Gandalf was gonna lead them to some place to meet up with the Eagles, and that they were gonna just fly to Mordor. Yeah, it Much... does seem like the faster route. I'll admit. However, I don't want to say that theory has been debunked, but it kind of has been debunked that like the Eagles would just fly them into Mordor, like basically, like basically that just wouldn't work very well. Yeah, I mean. Um, I imagine Sauron has some answer to that. Well, I mean, you know, there's well, the winged, the fell beasts with the Nazgul right. on them. Yeah. Um, and also, he's an all-seeing eye. Mm. Um, yeah, he's probably going to see him. Yeah, I think I think one time I saw, like, there was, like, a video on Facebook about, or not on Facebook, on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Um, that was, like, basically, like, why, what would have happened if the Fellowship tried to take the Eagles to Mordor? And it showed, like, what happened. Like, they are like, riding into Mordor, and, like, all of a sudden, Nazgul come out of nowhere, and, like, arrows come <laughs> yeah. flying in, and, like, the eye is looking straight at them, and, like... Yeah, yeah. It, it just wouldn't work very well. Uh, more... But I guess probably more likely what, what Gandalf was saying when he said, fly, you fools, was just saying, get out of here. You oh. Know, like, get moving. Like, you know, their orcs gonna come after you. Like, you need to get out of here. Like, don't linger and, and watch me fall into the abyss. Like, get out of here. I've got the... Like, the Balrog has been defeated. I've given you some cover. Go. Oh. Don't stand here and gawk, basically. That's a way better explanation. And way simpler, too. Why did I not think of that? I was obsessed with these eagles, apparently. I mean, it's... I think, again, it goes... Like, you, you talked about, like, the... the uh, like kind of the older English, you know. Yeah. I, think, I think that's kind of what it is. Is yeah. We we usually we usually don't say fly like over the bridge, fly or like fly you yeah. fools. We usually just say get out of here or yeah. something like that or like move Run. out or something. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. But I think it's just kind of the the middle like the Middle Earth old English yeah. kind of working its way in. Okay, that makes much more sense. I feel satisfied about that. Um. But uh. I'm not even going to get into what are the eagles. <laughs> the, eagle, the eagles are a rabbit hole. So. Yeah, yeah. I figure. I figure. I don't know a lot about them, but they're, they're very complicated. But anyway. Yeah, I um. 
I also, I, not to constantly go back to Sam and Frodo, but I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I, uh, at the end, the, so when the ring is finally destroyed and they're sitting on that rock, I, or even before that, Frodo says, okay, I'm going to back up again, way back, uh, when they're talking about rationing the bread. And Sam's like, we need to have enough for the return trip. There's another moment where I'm like, Sam, you're way too optimistic about this. I was like, that's great. But it like clearly gives hope to Frodo and honestly gives hope to me watching. I'm like, wow, Sam, you really think you're going to make it back. That's awesome. And then like later when they're much closer and Frodo says something about we don't have enough water for the return trip. Sam is finally like, I don't know that there, or I don't think there's going to be a return trip. Um, and then they're sitting on that rock after everything is done, just like embracing. It's like, it's done. And like, it's not like that. If it ends there, it's not necessarily a happy ending, but there's something about it that feels like, fulfilled you know mm -hmm. that they're sitting there these two friends who've just been through like as close to real hell as I can think mm -hmm. just like finally like we did it it's over mm -hmm. and this is probably where we die but but we did it yeah I there's something so powerful about that moment mm -hmm. that really hit me when I watched it yeah, like Frodo saying, it's gone. It's done. And yeah. Sam, yes, Mr. Frodo, it's over now. Like, they both, you're right, they both just taking that in and embracing that moment. Yeah. You know, it, it is a powerful moment. Um, and by the way, since we're there, we cannot forget the other very powerful moment that comes before it of, you mentioned it earlier, I can't carry it for you, but I can't, I can carry you. <laughs> this is why he's my favorite. He's so flippin' cool, and he's just a hobbit. I yeah yeah this is like the whole thing with them and I think at least the thing that made that I liked probably the most about the story itself was following those two and sometimes Gollum on this on like their journey these two friend, friends who are like deeper than friends these like brothers almost you know that are are struggling to get this this insurmountable task accomplished and and they need each other they each bring something to that i think that moment where i can't carry the ring but i can carry you is maybe the most like literal example of how frodo can't do this by himself he needs sam the whole time and they're just uh all of their interactions as like a team on this journey just uh, what a great picture of of sometimes what walking through the the harshness of life can be and what a stalwart friend they, they are to each other I mean certainly the same is to, to Frodo but even Frodo is to Sam I think it's hard to see through most of that last movie, 
as Frodo's kind of getting more and more corrupted by the ring and having more and more problems. And also as Gollum is, you know, trying to poison <laughs> right. Frodo against Sam. Yeah, so it's like harder to see, but, but then when they're sitting on that rock at the end, how it's Frodo that's offering the encouragement right. to Sam. Yeah, yeah. The ring is gone now. That that problem is it has been taken care of, and now we get to see that that it's not one-sided. It's not as if Sam is the only friend here, and Fro that Frodo's taking advantage of. But they're they're truly brothers. I mean, they're they're truly close. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the most. That's the most compelling part, honestly, of this of the story proper to me, is that brotherhood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fellowship and yeah. loyalty, you know, all, all of that together. Yeah. It is incredible. And then I think, I don't mean to hijack, please jump in if you have one, but I'm just going to keep going. No, go ahead. Um, at the end, they, um, right when Aragorn is crowned king, um, and he, he walks through and he gets to the, the four hobbits, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they, like, do the little awkward bow thing. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you bow to no man. Mm -hmm. And all of of the people, mm -hmm. like, bow, get down on one knee to these four. And they kind of stand there, like, awkwardly. Like, it's not... It First of all, that's a perfect reaction. But... I, like the power of that moment mm -hmm. and even like seeing beyond you know the the surface mm -hmm. to, to what does that say that the lowliest these lowly hobbits right um, have proven themselves the most noble mm -hmm. uh, of all and and that he's right Aragorn's right you you bow to no man though you were the elite you're the smallest yeah yeah. Um, and like it goes back it kind of goes all the way back to the very beginning of uh, the fellowship of the ring because in the prologue um you know galadriel says the time will soon come when hobbits will shape the fortunes of all yeah and like it's if you see that fulfilled yeah. through the four hobbits and what they do um mm -hmm. you know obviously you know there's frodo and sam yeah um, and what they do, but I mean, Mary helps kill the Witch King. Yeah. And you know, Pippin saves Faramir's life, and um, and also in some ways saves Minas Tirith because of you know looking through the plant here. Right. Um, so it's, it's something where yeah, there's the hobbits do you know even and Galadriel himself said you know even the smallest person can change the course of the future. Yeah. So there's there's that idea about you know even the lowly. You know, being exalted, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, having an important part. Another biblical theme, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> just a light biblical theme there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just... I I thought... And obviously, you know, thinking about that theme from, the, from Scripture, um, from the Bible, I, like, I, I just thought when I watched it, I was like, what a cool way to show that. Yeah. To kind of just show it. And you didn't like, you didn't like force feed me it. You just like, you just showed it to me. And if I can make the connection, I'll make it. I'll be like, oh, look, the least is the greatest. Right yeah. there. I'm seeing it. 
I, I thought that was so cool. Such a smart idea by Tolkien. I, that that that's really good. That's <laughs> really good. So do we? My favorite moment. I think I said this was Sam's speech at the end of um, the the second movie. What was your favorite moment? I don't know if you said it or not. I can't remember. It's getting late. Things are happening. <laughs> what was your favorite moment? So again, it's, it's hard to choose because there are so many great moments. Yeah. I think though the moment that always sticks out to me and the moment that always gets me is the moment it's it's during the siege of Gondor. Um, the city is surrounded. They're starting to they've broken down the gates. You know, they're they're trying they're moving into the city like things look pretty bad um and i i I don't think this is in the the regular version but in the extended version um gandalf hears from pippin that um that denethor is going to try and burn faramir alive so gandalf starts riding up to try and stop it but as he's doing so the witch king comes into the city and confronts him and knocks gandalf off of his horse um and you know the Witch King saying, "Like you, like do you not know death when you see it? This is my hour. You know you have failed. The world of men will fall. And like, and basically, you know, it it just looks like it looks horrifying. Like the Witch King is standing over Gandalf. Orcs are pouring into the city. You know, we've already it, things look dark. Things are at their darkest. And all of a sudden, in that moment." you hear the horns of Rohan yeah. off in the distance. And all of a sudden, like, suddenly the Witch King looks away, Gandalf looks away, the the orc chieftains look away, and the shot just comes up of, you just see, like, it had been so dark and dreary. All of a sudden, there's just light coming up over the hill, and you just see this endless line of horses. I'm literally getting chills as I'm talking yeah. about this. Like, it reminds me kind of of this there, this scene from... There's actually this part, again... I'm, I'm a pastor. I gotta do this. I gotta go back to scripture. Please. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there's this part where Elisha and his... Where Elisha is a prophet of the Lord and his servant are trapped by an enemy army. But Elisha says, you know... Elisha prays, you know, to, and says, you know, Lord, won't you open up the eyes of my servant so that he can see, you know, that that those who are, for, are with us are more than those who are against us. And the servant has his eyes opened and he sees just the hills are full of chariots um, and horses and chariots of fire. And it just reminds me of that scene so much. Yeah. Um, but just there's this... But going back to Lord of the Rings, sure. like you just see this endless line of horses, and then um, Theoden, you know, rallies them and, and he gives this epic speech of saying, you know, forth, fear no darkness, you know, rise, riders of Theoden, spear shall be shaken, shield shall be splintered, a sword day, a red day, ere the sun rises. He says, ride now, ride to ruin. And to the world's ending. And 
the horns ring out and they charge forward and you just see this shot of like literally thousands of horses just charging down into the sea of orcs before them and it's just and it's literally just and the sun comes up and light springs forth like it's just such an amazing jaw-dropping awesome scene and it it's an it's one of the embodiments i think of you know that hope coming out of the darkness and that you know that even when things look darkest um you know help comes and you know they just go through and they ride through and they just ride down the orcs and and defeat them and you know yes they have to deal with the elephants later on and you know the battle's far from over but sure there's just something that that scene just it gets me every time you just get goosebumps as you just hear those horns off in the distance and you and you see that endless line of horses oh it's i love <laughs> it i love that it is incredible there's no doubt about it incredible yeah and it, that's a great connection that you made there with that with that passage i you know i didn't <laughs> Funny enough, I didn't make that connection, but that's really cool to think about now. That's awesome. That and it is an amazing moment, even in the movie. Um, that's really cool. That's awesome. Well, now we've gotten to our third and final listener question, which is: um, so of the three movies, which one is your favorite? Yes. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yes. Is this, do we have like a favorite child scenario where you're not able to, you, you can't pick, you love them all equally? It's something where, you know, like, all, like, to me, it's just they're all parts of one story. Yeah. I think. Like, they're all just parts, they're all different chapters of the same great story and each chapter has its great moments in it um and something where you know i've heard people make cases for different ones generally people will make a case either for the two towers because you have you know the battle of helms deep going on in in that movie and that's such a dramatic and epic battle sequence yeah um or they say the return of the king you know, because the return of the king is, you know, the dramatic climax, um, and that is a, that. And to me, that one that is a compelling argument, but to me, it's just something I can't separate Return of the King from the other two, because mm. the other two lead up to it. And like, for me, it's just something where I just can't choose a favorite. They're mm. all of like each of the three movies has incredible moments. Has you know, inspiring moments, and they all just kind of lead into each other. Um, so, sorry if that's not a satisfying answer, but I'm sure I'm sure the listeners out there, you know, can come up with you know different arguments for you know why one movie is better than the other. And yeah, I like your answer so much. I want to change my answer to yours. <laughs> I just. I... <laughs> So, so I actually did pick, but I like your answer better. I, I just, I like, cause I think you're a hundred percent right. I mean, this is why we didn't do like a podcast about an individual movie, right? 
because this is all one story. From the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring to the end of The Return of the King, this is one story, you know? And so you're right. I, I think it's hard to... Because without the foundation that the Fellowship of the Ring sets up, we don't get to where we get to. So I think I think you're right. For the record, I did say Return of the King. But despite the fact that my favorite movie or moment is in uh, the two ta- the two towers? Yes. The twin towers. Two no, towers. Two yeah. towers. Probably That's not. Sam's speech, yeah. yeah. It's at the end of the yes. two towers. I will say, like, if you forced me to choose one of the three, I would probably choose Return of the King yeah. because it is the climax. But, but that's the thing. It's the climax of the whole story. Exactly. That's yeah. not fair. That's not fair. Of course it's going to get the favorite. It's the payoff yeah. for all the build-up. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that it ought to be viewed as a whole story. Because that's really what it is. I'm kind of actually shocked that these are individual books. And not one book that they adapted into three movies. Because it feels so cohesive. And I'm starting to think maybe it's because Tolkien just doesn't write succinctly. That he just maybe ran out of room in certain books. Could be. I mean, he did, like... I know, like, he did, um... I think, I'm pretty sure that they were they were published a little bit apart from each other. And, like, if you look through it, though, like... Fellowship of the Ring goes from page one to, like... However many pages... Like, one to three hundred... And then, like, wow. Two Towers picks up with, like, page... It says page 300 to page, like, 600 or whatever. Oh. And then, like, Return of the King is 600 to, like, 900 or whatever. Yeah. So something like that. Um, so, like, he kind of wrote it as one giant story, but he did yeah. divide it up. And it's something... The way he left off each story kind of had a little bit of a cliffhanger ending to it. Mm. Like, the... So... Again, this is a difference between the books and the movies. In the books, the Fellowship of the Ring ends with Sam going off to find Frodo. Um, okay. And then Two Towers opens up with with Sam finding Frodo and going off with him. And it also... The Two Towers begins with Boromir's death, with him being found by... Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli. Oh wow! So, so it's kind of like there's kind of a little bit more of like a like there's kind of this cliffhanger of like is Sam gonna find, um, you know, Frodo and yeah, and what's gonna happen to Boromir? And then you find out at the beginning of Two Towers. Likewise, then the Two Towers in the Return of the King, the way it, in the books, the Two Towers actually ends a little bit later. It ends with Sam. Um, ends with Sam fighting Shelob and thinking Frodo's dead and taking the ring and then he finds out that Frodo is alive but he can't get to him and like he's stuck outside of the goblin tower yeah. um, so it ends it ends with that and then wow so the, and then it, it also ends with um, it ends with Pippin looking into the plantier and him and Gandalf leaving to go to Minas Tirith, and then like the story picks up from there in Return of the King. So like Peter Jackson does change it up a little bit, yeah, in the way that he's like it's it's not much, but it's enough that it is a little bit different. Yeah, and I think he has like the ability. The story's kind of 
almost make because you're following these different people in different aspects you could almost move around some of that timeline yeah yeah without really causing problems you know what i mean like right like once again that's one of those things where you know when they talk about you know the movies being an adaptation of books like yeah. i'm fine with that you know i'm not going to pick a fight with like oh they didn't end the fellowship of the ring exactly where tolkien ended <laughs> right it's all right yeah it stays faithful to the books that's what matters yeah yeah it's pretty good so as we've already discussed at some length honestly uh you know i think this stories no matter what the story is even some of the more silly stories that we we encounter are saying something this story is saying a lot of things um and so I want to talk about the, the moral um, a little bit to, to wrap up. But so I've noticed some themes. And let's just go through some themes. Sure. So I think the story says a lot, says some things at least about death, about immortality and the relationship there. What what did you think about that? Did you pick any of that up? What what do you got? Yeah. So one thing I will say about um, the Lord of the Rings film trilogy, it's violent. There yeah. is a, there is a lot of death in it. Like it's something where um, I have a almost two year old named Timothy. And, like, I want Timothy to watch it, but there's no way he's watching it until he's, like, at least, like, 13 or 14. Yeah. Or possibly even older, because it is... It's grisly at points. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got limbs being chopped off, heads being chopped yeah. off, people getting stabbed, blood, you know. There's... It's... You know, people getting skewered and pincushioned and yeah. like it's it is violent and there is a lot of death in um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But I think it's some I think it's something where there's even in the midst of the death, there's still that note I think of hope that you know, it's kinda of like it's kinda of like in Sam's speech, you know, how can the world go back to the way like how can the world, you know go back to the way it was, you know, when so much bad has happened. Yeah. There's the idea that, you know, there is a lot of violence, but there's still that hope that even in despite of all of this violence that there will one day, you know, be peace. Um and eventually that peace is realized. Once again, another biblical parallel. Yeah, and we believe that there is while there is violence going on right now in the world, one day that violence will be stopped. One day the king will return and usher in lasting peace. Mm. Um, so that's one thing I think, you know, kind of says about death is that, you know, that death is not going to be forever. Like yeah. the, the violence and the death will not be a forever thing. Um, Hmm. Yeah, and then I think too, like there's another another note of hope in the midst of death is, I guess another like maybe plot point that we could have talked about earlier, but can bring up here is where Gandalf and Pippin are talking, as you know the they're still trying to hold off 
the orcs coming into Minas Tirith, and they have a moment of silence. And Pippin, you know, as, as this just seems like there's no way that they're going to be rescued, Pippin says to Gandalf, I, I didn't think it would end this way. And Gandalf looks at him and says, End? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The, the gray rain curtain of this world is rolled back, all turns to silver glass, and then you see it. White shores, and beyond, a far green country under a swift sunrise. There's that idea of life after death as well. Which, once again, another strong Christian parallel. Sure. I don't think we need to go too much into that except to say that, you know, we as Christians believe that there is life after death, um, that there is a blessed and wonderful eternity in store for those who trust in Christ as Lord um, and as Savior. Yeah. So th I think those are kind of two of the things that really stuck out to me about, you know, how does Lord of the Rings handle death? You know, yeah. kind of that, that optimism that it will not last forever and that hope of, you know, even life after death. Yeah. I 100% agree. I I was kind of shocked, I guess, a little, um, about how optimistic it seems Lord of the Rings is about death. Um, it's not something... It see most of the time, when it's talked about or we see, like, a character that we, you know, know die... Obviously, there's huge battle scenes, and you know people are dying in these. But you know the the more meaning, the powerful ones. Um, when we hear talk, it seems like it's not death isn't something to be avoided. It's not something that is like we need to scramble away from. Not that that we should run to death, but that like. Gandalf says, you know, it's a path that we all must take. Yeah. And so there's no, there's no like desperate clawing away from it. Yeah. It's like, I think about Boromir's end and like the important part is that he turned from his mistake and at the end fought for what was right. Yeah. Right. I, and this was more important than continuing to live. That he did the right thing. That he fought for the good. Um, and just, and even like how that, we talked a little bit in one of these episodes. I'm going to say the first one. Um, Arwen? Yes. Arwen. Ah, I got it. Getting it. The Liv Tyler elf. Yes. Um, <laughs> but like, and her like dealing with this fact that she's immortal and Aragorn is not. Um... And how even immortality is kind of looked at as, like, not the most desirable thing, you know? And so I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised about how they treat death, you know? Because I think... Yeah. There's also... Sorry, yeah. No, no, go. I was, I was going to say, too, there's also a strong theme of, like, honorable death, too. Yeah. Like, Boromir dies with honor. Theoden dies with honor. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's kind of... Eowyn looks to die with honor, but ends up finding life, yeah. um, which is a good thing. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pro Eowyn's life. Yes. But there's kind of that theme of, like, you know, there's there's a theme of, like, an honorable death as well. That there's there's honor to be found in giving your life for a good cause. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... Well, I should say, I'll phrase it this way. Um... I think that that's true. I think that there's truth there. What do you think about that? That there's honor in... That, that there is an honorable way to face death. Do you think that this has like a real analog in real life? Like, is this true? Um, yeah, what do you think? From, a, from like a theological perspective... Um, so I come from the Methodist Church, and uh, obviously John Wesley is a very big, uh, very big influence in the, in the Methodist faith, um, Methodist denomination, I should say. But one thing Wesley talked about was he said one of the marks of believers is that they often die well, that they often, yeah. um, not like, not only do they give their lives for you know for a good cause whether it be like the mar the martyrs or for the sake of helping others um but also even like if they even when they die of natural causes there's like this sense of peace uh, about about them he said that's a mark of believers that you know they have this peace in death of like they know where they're going they know that they've lived their life for for their Lord, um, and there's kind of they face death honorably in that way. They they're not fearful, avoiding it, clawing away from it, kind of like you yeah. said. Um, but they have like just kind of this, you know, they're not afraid of death, um, and they have and they face it in an honorable way. Yeah. Yeah. I I I like this idea. I like this stance. I think there's truth in this stance. I want to be clear here that I think the clawing away from death and the fear that's associated with death is warranted for those not in Christ. I think you, you'd probably agree with me on that. Yeah, and even for those who are in Christ, like, there's still... A fear of the unknown you know, oh there's, sure there's yeah still a fear of like you know like we have an idea of, for those who are in christ we have an idea of what will come after death but we you know we don't know for sure and there's always that kind of aspect of you know of anxiety i'll, I'll say like for me myself like i can't say that like oh i'm perfectly at peace about dying like there's <laughs> yeah i'd prefer not to yeah today me too um <laughs> but there's also it's something where there's still at least some level of assurance of like, I at least know this. I at least mm. know that on the other side of death, there is everlasting blessedness. Yeah. 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 And, you know, going with the general theme of optimism that this story tends to, to display, uh, I liked that. I thought it was good. Um... And we've definitely talked about this one 
uh, a good deal already. But obviously, this story is a story of good versus evil, right? Mm -hmm. And this one in particular lays out that dynamic pretty clearly. And, and there's a clear good side and evil side. Mm -hmm. Down to the fact that the evil side are orcs and they literally look uglier. <laughs> I, like, it's easy to tell, right? You're not confused. I, This battle, this push and pull, how do you think the story handles it? And what do you think can is applicable for us? Yeah, so... Um... I think you know when you when you see the battle between good and evil there's often those themes of hope and despair connected I think you know I think one of Sauron's greatest weapons is that he tries to make the people of Middle-earth believe that he cannot defeat him they cannot mm -hmm. defeat him and with Saruman and with Denethor he succeeds in doing that you know he yeah. convinces Saruman to join his side he drives Denethor insane um, and that seems to be like one of the chief weapons of evil is to kind of create fear um, and, and despair. And also, you know, division too, trying to split people against each other too. You know, you see that at the Council of Elrond is, you know, all the people are arguing amongst themselves about how do we handle this ring and, you know, the dwarves are like, never trust the elves. and. You know, the men are like, well, we should take it for ourselves and try to use it. And, you know, it's, it's something that seems to be a consistent theme with evil. Is that, yes, there's the raw power where they just try to, where, you know, Sauron has these massive armies, um, you know, to try and take over. But more than that, you see him trying to work against the forces of good by dividing them, by making yeah. them afraid, by, you know, trying to make them despair. Yeah, and then, but then with with the goodness, you have, you know, for the good, it's it's something where you have the idea that there's that idea of hope, and the idea of loyalty to goodness, um, and the idea of you know help coming just when all hope seems seems lost. Yeah. Yeah, I I like that that often specifically the the men not as in male but as in human um although maybe specifically as in male um, now that i think about it but um a lot of the times we see this we see these good men who begin to be like entranced like by Sauron entranced by the ring like this evil seeps in to different degrees right obviously Denethor is we got him we're pretty deep seated by the time we get to him right mm -hmm. but even Boromir who I would say you know is clearly immediately entranced by the ring right mm -hmm. um, but you know comes around I love this like fighting against it that that moment shows mm -hmm. that that even though evil has begun to corrupt and seems to take hold for a moment mm -hmm. it there's a pushing back of of the of the good mm -hmm. and i think and even you know going to my my favorite quote um this this 
ability that there's good that is pushing back against the evil uh it's incredibly hopeful mm-hmm. and uh, again i think theologically when we think i think it's true yeah you know there is good that's pushing back the evil and it's something that i personally am very i too often forget as i kind of live live life and so i was I like to see that. I like to see one that it's a struggle. It's not easy for a lot of these characters that that have this problem. You know, even Pippin with the, and I've already forgotten what the ball is called. The Palantir. The Palantir. I'm, I might remember it someday. I. Uh, but we see. But even with Pippin, we see this. You know, this like little bit of corrupting. Like curiosity is almost what gets him. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, I like that it's not simple but it, but it is a struggle that some of the characters choose to fight against and others don't mm-hmm. and this makes all the difference in the world right and that's yeah you kind of again kind of going back to the biblical theme kind of ties into you know our belief about you know sin and sanctification you know, we all have that sinful nature that in us that corrupts us, but through the Holy Spirit, um, we are given we're we're given the option we're, we're freed from that, and we're given the opportunity to either we can we can still give in to that corrupting evil, or enabled by the Spirit, we can by the Holy Spirit we can start to fight against that evil. We can choose to fight against it. Um, yeah. And that's just within our, just within ourselves, right? Yeah, I, I think it shows it well. I think it really shows that that concept really well, and in a cool way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one's a little quicker. Um, do you feel like there's a little bit of environmentalism going on here? Yeah, I would think so. And and honestly, I think that's. I don't think that's being disloyal to Tolkien at all. If Tolkien were alive today, I think he'd probably be a pretty avid environmentalist. Because he, he valued, you know, the... He valued the Earth. He valued, you know, there, he, he, yeah. he found the Earth as, you know, I think is kind of sacred in a way. Um, you know, and it's something where, you know, from a Christian perspective, we wouldn't say that, you know, the Earth itself should be worshipped. No, yeah, but, sure, yeah. But the earth is a creation of God. Um, you know, the earth has inherent dignity and worth as well. And as humans, we are called to steward the earth. We're called to, you know, be. Adam was set in the garden to cultivate the earth, to care for the earth. Um, and a lot of times, you know, instead of cultivating and caring for the earth, we abuse the earth in different ways. Um I think Lord of the Rings, you know, really kind of condemns that, condemns when the the wasteful, you know, the abuse of the earth. Um, it condemns the wasteful and evil ways of Saruman, who cuts down the forest of Fangorn for his own industrial purposes. Mm, um, yeah. But it also lifts up those who care for the earth, like the hobbits. You know, hobbits are lifted yeah. up. They're the ones who care for the earth. The elves also, they're the ones who, who care. 
pretty much across the board, you know, the people who are um, are good are the ones who also care for the earth at the same time. Yeah. Um, and also, too, like, you almost get this sense that, like, the earth, in, in Lord of the Rings, that the earth itself rises up to defend itself in some ways. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, <laughs> the Ents, like, literally, the Ents rise up oh. against... Isengard, which is another great scene. That's so good. I really like that. I they're so cool. Yeah. I when Treebeard like is just there all of a sudden, like he opens his eyes, I'm like, what? That was another one. I knew I knew the trees were gonna come. Because I remembered the trees and Isengard. But I was like I wasn't ready when he opened his eyes. I was like, oh, Oh right, the tree people. <laughs> it's just, but yeah, they're very cool. I and clearly that is like the literal Earth is fighting back against the industrialization. Yeah. Right, and some and something where like it's not to say that like industrialism in its in and of itself is necessarily a bad thing, but sure. clearly like. Saruman was doing it in a very anti-environmental way and was doing yeah. it for evil purposes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Sauron was kind of similar, very industrial, but very much, like, you know, for the purpose of being evil. Um, well, yeah, if you think about the landscape of everything else in Middle-earth that we've seen, and then you get to Mordor, and it's yeah. just, like, black. Yeah. Just straight across, which is what... Isengard was like becoming. Yeah, you're right, exactly. Like they ripped down all the trees, it was just rocks and Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's it's just interesting. I almost surprising from like Tolkien, you know. I, I didn't expect to see that there. Um but I think it's probably good I, I, I don't think I think it is a good message, you know? I think it's important to steward what God's given us well obviously by not burning it down um, ideally um, and there's probably something to be say, said about like the richness that, that stewarding the earth provides versus just the destruction and the barren landscape mm. that these places that Isengard is becoming and that Mordor is you know yeah, I mean, yeah, like, you, you contrast a place like Isengard with some place like Lothlorien, where, yeah. like, Lothlorien, like, they built a city, but they didn't build it by cutting down all of the trees, they built it by, you know, building on the trees, and right. just being a part of nature and the created order. And you see that in the Shire, too, like, they build their houses into the <laughs> ground, they, yeah. don't, they don't chop down the forests, you know, they... They build, they, you know, they grow the forests and they care for the forests and, you know, they try to be very much like coexisting with nature rather than seeking to just conquer nature. Yeah. Yeah, which is a good segue into uh, my last one. I was going to ask about the lowly, but I think we covered that pretty well. Yeah. Um, so the idea the idea of conquering goes into this story and its conversation about power in general mm -hmm. like dominion you know that kind of strength uh 
I think this is a prime, this seems to me like a prime piece of the, of the story. I just wonder what kind of your thoughts are on, on, on what the story says about, about that topic. Right. I mean, like, kind of like what we said back in the first uh, episode that we did, um, you know, Sauron is all about power. He's all about, you know, he wants to exercise that rule and that dominion over Middle-earth. Saruman is kind of the same way, um, that he wants to gain some of that power as well. That's why he joins Sauron's side. Um, and there's this... They want to be in control. They want to be able to exert their rule um, over, over Middle-earth, really. Um, but it's something where eventually you know their power comes to nothing it's it's undone um and it's undone by you know unlike by unlikely things you know for saruman he literally has an army of trees attack him <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like, he gets the trees angry and the trees are like they they're not they attack him and they defeat him and, and then of course for sauron like two little hobbits um traverse yeah. all the way to Mount Doom. I mean, they have a ton of help, but sure, yeah. you know, they're grasping for power, and you know, they they want to have control and dominion and everything, but you know, it all comes to nothing. But then, you know, the people who seem to have the least amount of power, the lowly, you know, yeah. Frodo, Sam, the hobbits, yeah, they're the ones that end up, you know, shaping the course of the future. Yeah. It's something where, you know, it shows that, like, there's kind of this subversive kind of idea that, you know, that power isn't always what we think it is. And the, thing, the people we think are powerful, you know, might not necessarily be so. Yeah. Yes. And I think that it's... I'm trying to this uh, yeah I 100% agree with that and I, one of the other things that I think this story does with the concept that I like is by using the ring specifically it shows the corrupting nature that power can sometimes bring again specifically to men again not necessarily males but you get what I mean um how like Boromir is right away like is like we should use this to fight and even that's not evil he's he's trying to think how do I win the war right mm -hmm. and this is a tool that we should use to win but there's something there that's all that's a little off he's grasping for that power mm -hmm. and this is like why it's the lowly it's why it's the hobbits Frodo in particular who must bear the ring mm -hmm. because he is out of all he is the least you know lust for that power and hobbits in general seem to have almost no lust for that power right they're happy just to stay at home <laughs> tend their gardens read their books you know right yeah and like but even but even Frodo is begins to be corrupted and by the end is not in great shape yeah um, so even someone like that 
it's still this drawl. And I think that sometimes, unfortunately, um, power does this in our in our own context, in our own in our own world. Yeah, unfortunately, you're right. You know, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and power corrupts. I think I think you're absolutely right. There's a yeah. There's a corrupting nature to uh, power. Yeah. Um, that I think we often we often don't realize. Um, I think once once again, we, you know, when we see someone like Sauron, we need to look in the mirror um, and ask ourselves, you know, are we really that much different? You know, if we had the amount of power that Sauron had, wouldn't we also try to, you know? gain dominion and power over others as well wouldn't we try to get others to do what we want we try to do that in our own lives anyway imagine what would happen if we tried if we had a a bunch of power and was able to do that right so yeah yes it would not be great no it would not be yeah and I think to end maybe (laughs) On a better note, it is, I think, vital to the story to understand that there is not just this evil power that is drawing the characters in, but that that good is still exi- that good exists, and it is also fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hopeful, and that brings hope, you know, not just to the characters, but it ought to bring hope, I think, to us too. And overall, I think Lord of the Rings is an incredibly hopeful and optimistic story. Right. Yeah, there's the idea that power can be used for good as well. Um, that when power is, you know, um, used, when it's used to help others, when it's used for noble purposes, like, that's, that's different. You know what I mean? Um, like, there's a right way to use power. You know, like, Aragorn is a powerful warrior. But it's something where he uses his power to fight for the good, um, and I think there's a there's a difference in that as well. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. It's, there's a difference between wanting to use your power to domineer and to control and to get your own way versus using your power to stand up for the good to help others. Uh, there's a difference there. Yeah, there's a huge difference, and a really important one. Yeah. This is a great story. This is an incredible story. It is. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah. I don't want to cut you off there unless you have, if you have more. But yeah. if you're good, first of all, thank you so much for reintroducing me even to this story. Um, it really, it was incredibly helpful, even just to me personally. And I cannot encourage. <laughs> everyone to engage with this story more um yeah thank you for coming on thank you for for doing this with me yeah thanks for having me on i really appreciated it and it was it was a lot of fun good well good i'm glad you think so several hours in (laughs) (laughs) but hey you know i think of uh i think of the ants as you know as treebeard says any story that is worth telling is worth taking a long time to tell and that 
should probably be on Tolkien's grave. <laughs> like that's that's his life. That that should make sense for him. Um, yeah. But yes, thank you. I had a ton of fun with this story. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh yeah. So next month, as I've said, I will be. Um, We'll be, I got my friend Cliff on, and we're going to be going through the video game The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. If you have any questions you would like me uh, and my guests to answer, um, you can email me at lifeslegendspod at gmail.com. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Life's Legends. Please like, subscribe, and comment. And until next time, savor your story.